Hey everybody, welcome to the HTO channel. I'm so glad you had an opportunity to stop by. If you are coming here for the first time, welcome, welcome, welcome. We do Bible study together, so we invite you in. Just grab all your materials. Those of you who are returning again, thank you. If you would just take the time, I pray that you're getting value from these Bible study uh, lessons. Um, just a few suggestions. If you'll share the videos, you can do even um, a small group or get together with your friends and discuss it you know it's just nothing like uh, the word coming alive when we get around a circle of uh, people that can be like iron sharpening iron so again I welcome all of you to the HTO channel if you'll just grab your materials and we'll be ready to just jump right in first of all with a prayer and so if you'll just join with me right now um, we just invite the Father to come right in. We ask Him to have His way. We thank Him for His revelation. For you said in your word, God, that the Holy Spirit would teach us all things and guide us into truth and knowledge. So we thank you for the ability to hear the word behind the word, to hear the revealed word, God, that you speak unto the body of Christ. And so we bless you for it, God. We just invite you in. We know that we can do nothing on our own, God. You said in your word, apart from me, you can't do a thing. And so we just thank you. Uh, for your presence. And so for those who are under the sound of my voice, God, may they hear you clearly. May we both all hear you clearly as you speak to us from your word. God, let us treasure it deep within our hearts. God, we just bless you for loving us so much. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. So today, everybody, we're going to start with Matthew 25, and we're going to start with an outline from BibleHub.com. If you want to check out one of my earlier videos, you can see um, how to actually use this resource. It is very helpful. So with that said, let's just go ahead and rock and roll and get started. So what is this chapter all about? Um, before we get into 25, if you want to actually flip back to 24, if you read 36 through 51, that will help set you up for what Jesus was talking about, where we are in the storyline. Um, it starts with 25, but basically 36 through 51, he's, there's some discussion about the days of Noah, and it's really just a warning about being ready at any hour. And so then chapter 25 picks it up with the parable of the 10 virgins. And we'll see that through verses one through 13. And then it'll proceed with the parable of the talents. That's 14 through 30 and the sheep and the goats will end our chapter. And so as we do, we're just going to do like we normally do. We're going to read and then as we're explaining the scripture, thinking about the scripture, we're going to pull out some life lessons from the scripture. Here's where I would encourage you to have your notebook or your journal or your tablet or, or whatever. You can um, actually, even if you have an additional phone, if you want to take a snapshot and include it somehow in a digital notebook, 
or you can actually write your own notes, whatever the Holy Spirit is revealing to you. You know, Paul says we all know in part. So whatever that I'm sharing with you, that's only part of the message. He may have a uh, greater and deeper truths to reveal to you. So with that said, let's go ahead and start with chapter 25. And if you'll notice, you'll see, we'll stop along and we'll read some cross references, uh, look at some commentaries when we need to. Um, and then I'll also share my, uh, thoughts, things that the Holy spirit has revealed to me. And then we just wrap it up. So let's start with verse, actually verse one, and it says, then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now, five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. Okay, so we'll start, stop right there. Verse one through four, verses one through four. Um, sometimes when you go on too far, just, you know, you can lose your place. So we have first, go ahead in your Bible or on your, again, I always tell people that you can actually download this off of a Bible website like Bible Hub, blueletterbible.org. Um, uh, what am I missing? Oh, you version. And I'm in the New King James version of the Bible. And if you don't want to mark in your Bible, you can print that out and then highlight along with me. So first I highlight it. Go ahead and highlight the kingdom of heaven. And then I highlight it. Went out to meet the bridegroom. Highlight wise and foolish. And then highlight took no oil with them. Okay, and we'll stop right there at that point. So here's my first note that I wanted to share with you. Notice that this is a parable that Jesus teaches us to, Jesus uses to teach us, sorry, a lesson in regards to the kingdom of heaven. So when you look at this, he's saying, hey, the kingdom of heaven is like 10 virgins. So when you think about that, it's like, okay, wait a minute. So when you think of the kingdom of heaven, don't think of it in terms of a location. Think of it in terms of the location is included in that, but the kingdom of heaven is the realm in which God moves. Thank you, Holy Spirit. It is the place where he has reign and dominion and, and the way that his will is the way that, that goes forth. You know, God's will goes forth. And so it says, then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened. So the comparison he's making is between the kingdom of heaven and 10 virgins. Okay. And then it says who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. And so let's just look at a cross reference here. We have Ephesians 529. So we'll read that. And if you want to write these down, 30, Revelations 19 and 7, 21 and 2, and then 9. Okay, Revelation 19 and 7. And so we have the first one is, For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. Then we look at verse 30. For we are members of his body, of his flesh and of his bones. Verse uh, Revelation 19 and seven, let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage. There it is. Key word of the lamb has come and his wife has made herself 
ready. 21 and 2. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared, here it is, as a bride adorned for her husband. And then verse 9. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came to me and talked with me, saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the lamb's wife. Okay, so here we already see why Jesus is making this comparison and he's talking about the bridegroom. And from this parable, we just put it in the context that he often will refer. Well, the church is referred to as the bride. That's you and I. And he represents the bridegroom. So if we continue on, go ahead. If you haven't already, mark wise and foolish So as we read, Jesus is discussing right here that you have two options. You have these virgins and they're either wise or foolish, you know, and that you can think about even in terms of ourselves, you know, we're either acting wisely in life or we're acting foolishly in in life. So let's just continue on. One of the notes that I wrote was when I see this phrase. So here's when you're writing and you're studying the Bible and the Holy Spirit gives you something. It doesn't mean that this is a doctrine or this is something that um, I'm going to base my belief uh, systems on. What do I mean by that? It might just be a comparison, a metaphor where he's just showing me something a little different when I read this text. Okay. So I wrote, when I see this phrase in his word, what phrase? It's saying, I think of of the oil. So in other words, he's talking about took no oil with them. And so when I think of oil, it often will represent the Holy Spirit, symbolic of of that. And for me, this statement reminds me that alone, I cannot accomplish anything. So when I read it, I, I said, okay, girl, take no oil with you. So in other words, I don't want to do anything in which the Holy Spirit is not present with me, helping me. And in matter of fact, I can't, I can, we can accomplish things, but of real eternal value. Those are the things that I want to accomplish. Okay. And then I wrote, I am reminded that the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit is important in my life and living in the fullness and awareness of his presence and how he is my helper will help me to remain prepared for the return of Christ. Right. So I don't have to, you know, make a doctrine or anything out of that. I'm just saying when I read the scriptures, he says the word of God is alive. That's what I, the Holy Spirit, I believe, placed in my thought, placed in um, my spirit as a comparison that, hey, I don't want to go anywhere just like these virgins without any oil. Okay. Verse four. So, and we read that. In here, if you want to take a look at that, it says, but while the bridegroom was delayed, he was delayed. So what do we mean by that? We're living in a time right now where Christ has not returned yet. We are waiting for the coming return of Christ. Right now we are, he said, I have to go. And if I don't go, I will not, the helper will not come. So in this dispensation dispensation of the church age, we have the Holy Spirit within us. And yes, there are references um, in other places in the Bible where Jesus says, we will come make our home within 
a believer. So in other words, the Trinity is always functioning in our life, but on the earth, he said, I will send the helper. And Jesus is now seated at the right hand of the father. So he is delayed. And it says, now check this out. It says, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all, so what does that mean? All of them, the wise and the foolish, all ten virgins, they were, they were, it says they slumbered and slept. So again, here's a revelation that I received. If you look at this phrase, notice that they all slumbered and slept. This reminds me that before the return of Christ, that is a member of the family of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, he has provided rest for my soul. Okay, let's look at a few cross references, you know, to that. How has he provided rest for us? You know, one of them is enter into the, where he says, I, I provide rest for you. He said, come on all unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So the, there's a sleeping, there's a correct resting. And then there is a, a resting that you will see in the scripture, will, which will remind you of being lazy, like a lazy resting. Okay, so it says, and at midnight, so let's go back. It says, but while the bridegroom was delayed, so let's take a look at a verse, a cross-reference there. It says, therefore, let us not sleep as others do. So remember, there's, there's, you can think of this as this is a good sleeping, and then there's another kind of sleeping, which is, you know, refers to being lazy, not aware, just, you know, just kind of going through the motions of life. It says as others do, but let us watch and be sober. So as Christians, as believers, we enter into the rest of God, but we also watch, and we're, um, we're admonished to be sober. So if we go back to it, it says they all slumbered and slept and at midnight, a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Okay. So if we take a look at that, it says Matthew 24, 31, and he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from the end of heaven to the other. First Thessalonians 4, 16, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. So earlier we read that he's delayed. That's what Jesus is talking about in this parable, that there's that, that the bridegroom is delayed. And then in verse six, it, we, we see the coming in time. We see the announcement that he's making that in, with these virgins, they're sleeping but then they hear, oh, wait a minute, the bridegroom is, is coming. They hear a cry, a cry was heard. So for us, that's like the sound of a trumpet. That's when we know he is coming on the cloud of glory. He is returning. We live in a time where we're in the waiting period, okay? But in this waiting period, we're gonna learn about how we should wait. In these verses. So it says, behold, the bridegroom is coming. I'm going to look, go ahead and click that for you. In you omits is coming. So if you were looking at the NIV, or if you're looking at maybe the NLT, if you're looking at some of the new modern translations, 
NU stands for, if you want to write this down, Nestle, and you can research this so I won't have to go into it. Nestle and I think, oh, I, I believe it's Ashland or look it up, but it's um, Nestle and Ashland. And then the U stands for United Bible Societies. Now, these are what they call the critical text. In other words, modern translations will sometimes have things removed from the verse, not removed, well, omitted from the verse. Um, whereas your King James Version, the New King James Version, the literal translation will have it included. Okay. So if you see is coming, you know, just know that you're dealing with a modern translation that was um, translated from what they call the critical text. Just go ahead and research that on your own. All right. It says is coming. Go out to meet him. So that's a good comparison of us. We hear the trumpet. We want to be ready to meet him. And then it says, then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. So they're all working at this point. So let's look at Luke 12, 35. Let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. You know, they trim their lamps. Now, here we go. Verse eight. And the foolish said to the wise, go ahead and highlight that. Give us some of your oil. So they have trimmed their lamps and then they look over at the other five and say, look, we need some oil. You know, the bridegroom is coming. We need some oil. And he says, it says, for our lamps are going out. Okay. Our lamps are going out. So let me share um, a statement that I wrote um, after reading this. When I read this, I think of this statement metaphorically. There will be a time when Christ returns that those who failed, listen to me closely, who fail or failed to accept the forgiveness of sins that he offered through the sacrifice of his life will one day have a lamp or light, life, that will go out eternally separated from Christ. Now, you know the Holy Spirit's real. There's no way in my own self that I could come up with that comparison, you know, and I've read this several times. I never had that comparison that the lamps, there's a light there that will be extinguished for all of us. And some of us will go on to meet the bridegroom and some will not. It's a matter of being in the group of the five foolish virgins or in the group of the wise virgins. Okay, so let's keep going. Jesus is teaching here. And it says, I had another statement. This statement reminds me that we will continue to hear foolishness in this world. With the aid and assistance of the Holy Spirit, our job is to discern or distinguish the foolish voices in our lives and like the wise virgins and say no. So how did I get that? I got that from this statement here from the Holy Spirit. But the wise answered saying no. And notice how the note, this will help you when you're studying. This isn't any big revelation. That was just a small lesson, you know, to remind me as I was reading, okay, you're going to, there's a lot of voices in, in, in this world, you know, that we have those foolish uh, virgins speaking in the ear or speaking to the wise virgin. So that was just a small little mini lessons to say, Hey, you know, say no, you know, reminding myself, say no to those foolish voices that I hear right now in the world. 
Okay, here we go. But the wise answered saying, no, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. You know, at first you would think, well, you know, they're being kind of rude and, you know, and selfish. But again, let's stay in the context of it. Jesus is, is, Jesus is teaching us something through this parable. And then it says, and while they went to buy, now that is the foolish virgins, the bridegroom came and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding and the door was shut. So here we go. Let's look at a note. This statement shows, again, thank you, Holy Spirit, a lack of preparation. The purchase of the oil should have been made ahead of time. You know, because think about it. Now, they're virgins. I knew they knew that there was a, a wedding. And it's custom in those times that the bridegroom would, I thought this was neat, he would leave his house and go to the actual, um, the bride's house. And then they would have a procession back to his house where the wedding would take place. So during this time, they hear this cry. And so those virgins, instead of being ready and, and they should have known that there was a wedding, they had to have known that there was a wedding. And what happens is that a lot of this back in that culture, it took place at night. So they needed something light so they could have some light as they were walking. So they knew there was a wedding. You know, I want to say, why well, didn't go to Walmart, H-E-B somewhere? Aldi. I don't know. You would think by now at that point they would have the oil, but it's just a failure to be prepared. And it says, and while they went to buy, the bridegroom came and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding. So here we go. Highlight. And while they went to buy, you might even want to put in your Bible, just foolish, plain foolish. And then it says, and those who were ready, you might want to write in your Bible, I want to be ready. And then it says, went in with him to the wedding. Okay, so here's um, something that I want to share. When we see the word wedding, this often causes us to think of the relationship between Christ, his church, the bride, and himself, the bridegroom. And we mentioned that earlier. And then notice this. This is the part that's the kicker. And the door was shut. So let's look at a cross reference here. Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter in the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my father in heaven. So keep that in context. If you flip back in your Bible, go ahead and highlight the one who does the will of my father in heaven. So you're really looking at with bringing this cross reference in, we see that not only is it important to be prepared, but it's important to do the will of the father, right? Let's look at 12, 13, 25. When once the master of the house had risen up and shut the door and you begin to stand outside and knock the door saying, Lord, Lord, open for us. And he will answer and say to you, I do not know you. Where are you from? Man, that's rough. That's rough right there. Okay. And so that's 1325. And then we know I used a little squiggly sometimes, you know, when you're highlighting, you might want to do different things that show different meanings. And that means I don't, I don't want this to happen to me. It says the door was shut. So let's continue. Afterward, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, assuredly, 
I say to you, I do not know you, man, right? This verse right here, 11 and 12, that is salvation 101. That is um, what we don't want to happen to ourselves or any of our loved ones. That's why we are saved. We have confessed Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, right? But that salvation step is the first step. We just read another scripture that talks about we have to do the will. We have to be prepared. We have to do the will of the Father, you know? So I don't want to get ahead of myself. Let's go ahead and look at another cross-reference. It says in Matthew 7, 21, not everyone. Actually, yeah, Matthew 7, 21. Um, I think they have that coded wrong. Okay, let's just look at here. Luke 6, 46, not everyone. Is, it, for some reason, it's coded. it seems like it's coded wrong. Okay, we'll see. All right, or this might be the cross-reference to that. I'm not sure. All right, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will. Okay, so we already read that. Let's just go back here. We saw um, Luke 13, 25 through 30. When once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door, there we go again. And you begin to stand outside and knock at the door saying, Lord, Lord, open for us. And he will answer and say to you, I do not know you. Where are you from? Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught and, and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know you where you are from. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. There will be, and let me go ahead and finish reading that out. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and you and yourselves thrust out, they will come from the east and the west, from the north and the south and sit down in the kingdom of God. And indeed, these are last who will be first and there are first who will be last. Now that's powerful. So when we see the door was shut, Jesus Christ is using this parable to warn us, you know, to say what I love, even so far, look at what we've, we've collected. We know that through this parable, we need to be prepared. We've seen through our cross references that we need to do the will of the father. And the biggest thing is this last part right here. I, I do not know you. You know, that's where we don't want to be found because in the last cross reference, they're saying, hey, you know, we did all this stuff. We did all this stuff. So let's look at Psalm 5, 5. The boastful shall not stand in your sight. You hate all workers of iniquity. You shall destroy those who speak falsehood. Okay, let's go back here. If we look at, uh, let me go back here to this one. Um, Luke 13, 25 and 30, it says right here, then you will begin to say, it's saying, Lord, Lord, open for us. I do not know you. Then you'll begin. We ate and drank. It says we ate and drank in your presence. We, we ate. In other words, Lord, we were here. We were with you. And he's saying, no, you can think that you're with me and not really be with me. Or in other words, I don't know you. So it's not that we just saved and we think, oh, I got my little ticket in to heaven and, and that's it. We spend our lives getting to know the Father, opening our lives up to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then let's take a look. Maybe this one will help us. No, we, now we know that God does not hear sinners. 
But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. Right? So that's a lot. You really could just stop at uh, verse 12 and just take it all in. And then because at 13, he really tells us right here, he gives us the summary of this, this lesson. And he says, watch therefore, for you know, neither the day nor the hour in which the son of man is coming. So let's look at this cross reference. We have Mark 13, 35. Okay. It says, watch therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming in the evening at midnight at the crowing of the rooster or in the morning, Luke 21, 36, watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the son of man. First Thessalonians five and six. Therefore, let us not sleep. There's that incorrect sleeping as others do, but let us watch and be sober. And then if you look at my note for, uh, I have a little two here. It's just saying again, if you have a modern translation, you are not going to see the rest of verse 13, which says, which the son of man is coming. Okay. You need to be aware of that. A good translation. If it's a modern translation, in my opinion, um, they won't just delete it out. At least there will be a footnote saying that this has been omitted, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Now, if you have a Bible translation and they don't even tell you or give you a footnote, you know, I would suggest changing that translation, <laughs> but let's move on. Okay. So we're just dealing with the, um, the virgins, those 10 virgins. So before we do, he's got another parable and it's called the parable of the talents. So before we do that, let's just chat a little bit. Okay. Let's just take a minute and think about what we've read so far. So when you're studying, it's really good to pause and reflect um, even on the channel, I just, I kind of suggest a certain pattern and you can look at that, that description and that's where, you know, you read and then maybe the next day you don't go on to the next section. You reread it again, you know, or maybe the first day you read half the chapter, get your revelations from the Holy Spirit, you know, do your research and then do the other half of the chapter. Um, even with this video, if read, if you need to listen to half of it and then come back, mark your time, then come back and continue on. So let's just process what we just read. So we read one through 13 with the 10 virgins. So it says in the opening verses, it is important for us to know that we have a prescribed destined amount of time on this side of glory. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard people say, you know, you have, um, on a tombstone, you have the date that person was born. You have the date that they left the earth. And what matters is the dash in between, right? God is omniscient. He knows already how much time he is allotted. Even in the scriptures, it says that we uh, live by, um, by the eight, by three score and 10, that's 70 years. And by reason of strength, 80. So I like to expect that God, only he knows, but I want to expect that at least, you know, me and my family, I hope we all at least by reason of strength, make it to at least 80 and, and beyond depending upon how crazy the world is getting side note. Let me move on. All right. For God. Now check out the scripture. This is, you've heard this one for God. So love the world 
that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John 3, 16, it is God's desire that the entire world, okay, that his, it didn't say part of the world, all of the world. Now he is omniscient as in he knows who's going to choose him and he knows who's not, but that doesn't mean that he desires for anybody to perish. He desires for us to have everlasting life. That is why Jesus is taking this time in the scriptures in Matthew to say, let me teach y'all something. I love you so much. I want to show you an example of some virgins that are real foolish. And I love you so much that I want you to have everlasting life with me. I don't want you to perish, but I got to teach you what to avoid. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for all of that. So in verses 1 through 12, Christ is teaching the importance of salvation and how important it is to live a life. So here it is, not that we just make the confession, but that we live a life that reflects the confession that we made. Okay, the five virgins were considered wise because they prioritized the importance of preparation. That's what made made them wise. Same thing for us. How can we be wise that we prioritize the importance of being prepared? So take a look at this passage. It says, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you are disqualified but I trust that you will know that we are not disqualified that's Paul writing 2 Corinthians 13 5 through 6 he's saying wait examine yourself to see are you in the faith are you living that life that's consistent with your confession and then if you look up here, Paul says disqualified. Sometimes you got to read what's not there or the negation of what's there. So what that told me was if you can be disqualified, if a person is disqualified, that means they were once qualified. So just because we have said some confession, um, at the beginning, true confession, true confession, true salvation would bear fruit in the life of that individual. Okay. All right. So the five foolish virgins misused their time. The time that they should have used to prepare for the bridegroom coming was used in a manner that was contrary to being prepared for his return. Is there anything I'm putting you and me in here that we need to tend to in our lives now? That we want to be prepared because Christ tells us that we don't know the day nor the hour. He says himself, he doesn't even know the, the hour the time of his return, that only the father knows the time that he will return. So we have to live a life of preparation and our lives shouldn't be contrary to the con confession that we have made. So let's look at verse 12 again. It said, but he answered and said, assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. I do not know you. So we are saved not merely to receive redemption. We are saved to cultivate a true loving relationship with the father and the son and the Holy Ghost. Okay. If we, if you, if we are truly saved, then there's a heart that turns to the father. There's a heart where we desire to please him, even though we don't all the time, even though it says a just man falls down, gets back up. But we have a heart. We want to know him. There's a song by um, 
Maverick City that I love. Oh gosh, I think it's called Who You Really Are if you want to check it out. But it's he says his lyrics is, I want to know you, I want to know you, I want to know you. And he just says, who you really are right? And it's the same thing with us. God wants to know us. We want to know him. So check out this passage. And he went through the cities and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. So we're talking about that he is Jesus. Then one said to him, Lord, are there few who are saved? And he said to them, strive, check out that word, strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Okay. What does that remind us of when he said, I don't know you assuredly. I say unto you, I don't know you. When once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door, that reminds us of those virgin, that bridegroom had that, that wedding door, that door has been shut. And it says, you begin to stand outside, knock, same thing with those virgins at the door saying, Lord, Lord, open for us. And he will answer and say to you, I do not know you where, where you are from. Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank. This is that same scripture in your presence. And you you taught in our streets, but he will say, I tell you, I do not know you where you are from. So we've read all of that. So that's just re-emphasizing how important it is for us to know the father. Because it's not a lot of times, and I'm not saying sin is not a big deal. It is a, it is a big deal. We do try to allow um, the Holy Spirit to sanctify us. But some people or, or others, I'll say, I hope not me and you, the fault will be that the father doesn't know him. They didn't spend any time, you know. It was like, okay, you know, let me, I don't have time to read that Bible, that Bible. And I'm saying this because I used to say that and I wouldn't even say, well, yeah, I I would say, Hey, I don't, I don't understand it. I don't have time to read it. Um, I'm busy. Um, you know, I, there's other things I want to do. I'd rather go on vacation. I'd rather go shopping. You know, there's that new sale down there at Steinmart. Let me check that. Right. And then all this time, that not saying that God won't put us, go, let us go on vacation. Let us check out the sale at Steinmart. Let us, you know, enjoy our family. But have I carved out time like Maverick City? I want to know you, right? Who you really are. So it's important. It's important. We can't be fooled. I think that's one of the biggest deceptions of the enemy. Like in that, that scripture that he, they said, we ate with you. We were in your presence, Lord. And that we think that, okay, we've done this. And then sometimes even serving, you know, you serving in your local church and you're doing all the busyness of church, but you don't have an opportunity to just sit in his presence. Thank you, Holy Spirit. When he said to Martha, Martha was all busy doing her thing. And she said, what are you tripping over? I'm paraphrasing to Martha. He's saying your, your sister, Mary, She's sitting at my feet and she's chosen the one thing that's needful. She's chosen the good part to spend time. So even when you are called to serve as an usher, greeter, balance that out because not saying that you shouldn't do those things, but if you're doing those things, but yet we just don't sit in his presence. We just don't sit in his presence, shut everything down, shut this music off. And well, if it's, you know, worship music, that's fine. But just shut things down, you know, in our lives and say, God, it's just me and you right now. It's just me and you right now. Okay. So that's what we've learned from the 10 virgins. Okay. 
Five wise, five foolish. We already know what would lead to foolishness and what would be considered wise according to Jesus Christ. So we have the parable of the talents and it says, verse 14, hope you're doing okay. Hang in there. So it says Luke 19, let's look at the cross reference. Well, let's look at the cross reference after that. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man. So here it is again. So he said that for the kingdom of heaven, and he was dealing with um, the virgins. Now he's saying the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one, he gave five talents to another two and another one to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. So let's just stop there. So go ahead and underline kingdom of heaven. We see the comparison is like a man. Okay. And then we know that this man has called his servants. So let's look at a cross reference, Luke 19, 12 through 27. We won't read all of this. You can, you know, pause the video if you need to. It says, therefore, he said, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and a return. So he called 10 of his certain servants delivered to them 10 minas. And he said to them, do business till I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. And so it was that when he returned, having received the kingdom, he commanded these. Let me go ahead and finish. He says he he commanded um, these. Let me catch up where I was. And so it was that when he returned, having received the kingdom, he then commanded these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. You're going to see the similarity in a minute. I'm going to finish it out for us. Then came the first saying, master, your minute has earned 10 minutes. And he said to him, well done, good servant, because you were faithful in a very little. I have authority over 10 cities. And the second came saying, master, your minna has earned five minutes or minus, excuse the uh, pronunciation if I'm wrong. Likewise, he said to him, you also be over five cities. Then another came saying, master, here's your minna, which I've kept put away in a handkerchief for I feared you because you are an austere man. You collect what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. And he said to him out of your own mouth, I will judge you. You wicked servant, you knew that I was an austere man collecting what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank that at my coming I might have collected it with interest? And he said to those who stood by, take the minna from him and give it to him who has 10 minas. But they said to him, master, he has 10 minas for I say to you that to everyone who has will be given. And for him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. But bring here those enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them and slay them before me. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. Come on, Jesus, right? So we like to you know, point, we only like to speak of the loving Christ, but we don't, um, and he is love. So let me clear, clean that up. But we also have a just father, a just Christ, a just king, where it's an invitation. And if we don't accept the invitation, there is, you know, you can fill it in. We used to say blank to pay. Okay. Literally blank to pay. All right. So it says, so that's very similar to what we're getting ready to read. And so he said, again, there are these servants. 
He has given him um, them his goods to them. And he's given, go ahead and circle five, circle two or square two, put a square or circle around one. And then it says, according to his own ability. And then what? He left. So let's just take a look at um, what is a talent? I thought this was uh, very interesting. And it says that a talent weight, let me see if I can expand that for you. A talent weight was an ancient unit for measuring value in Greece, Rome, and the Middle East. In the New Testament, a talent was a unit of measurement for weighing precious metals. Okay, usually gold and silver. In the New Testament, a talent, that was the Old Testament, I'm sorry. In the New Testament, a talent was a value of money or coin. The meaning of talent, the Hebrew term for talent was, and that's that word there, a flat round gold or silver disc or circular shaped loaf. In the Greek language, the word comes from T-A-L-A-N-T-O-N, a large monetary measurement equal, check this out, to 6,000 drachmas or denarii. The Greek and Roman silver coins. The talent in the New Testament, the term talent meant something very different than it does today. The talents Jesus Christ spoke of in the parable of the unforgiving servant and the parable of the talents referred to the largest unit of currency at the time. A talent represented a rather large sum of money. According to New Knave's Topical Bible, one who possessed five talents of gold or silver was a multimillionaire by today's standards. Some calculate the talent in the parable to be equivalent to 20 years of wages for the common worker. Other scholars estimate more conservatively valuing the New Testament talent somewhere between a thousand to $30,000 today. And that was retrieved from learnreligions.com. Now that's no joke. You know, I'm thinking of this little small little dinky coin, but it said here when we read this, that it was worth 6,000 denarii, right? And so I looked that up and I said, okay, hey, assuming that where do they get the 20 years? They're talking about it would take someone 20 years. And this is just one talent. They were given five, right? So if you took, um, it says equal to 6,000 denarii, just one of them. So all you have to do is take 6,000 times five, but also the 20 years would take them 20 years. Assuming, let's assume someone worked for six days out of a week. Let's say there was 52 days out of the year. I think that comes out to about like 312. Then if you do the multiplication of that, 312 days of that and then you multiply it out it comes to about like 19 point something years that it would take for a person to um for that to equal it was a day's wage you know it would equal to um one talent was uh, i think let me make sure i say that right measurement equal to six thousand denarii let me correct that okay so he was given five so that's a large sum of money and to another two and one, and then check this out according to his own ability. So we can get from that to the things that we are given, you know, the Holy Spirit and God predetermined ahead of time what he would, how he would build us, how he would make us, you know, the, the resources that he's given us, the gifts, the talents, you know, financial resources that he's given us, even the time here on earth. 
you know? So here we go. So we know that he went on a journey. So here's again, something that the Holy Spirit impressed upon me. When I read this phrase, I think of the ascension of Christ because why it says he went on a journey. So, you know, that remember after the resurrection, it says he, Jesus Christ was taken up. So I think of that journey as the ascension of Christ that the disciples witnessed. It says the fact that he is now seated on the right hand of the father and Christ has entrusted the body of Christ with the work of his ministry. He has left us as stewards of the work he has already accomplished and still expect, expects to accomplish through his church. That's deep. Okay. And notice that I did not say the fivefold. It, you know, everybody has a getting according to their ability. He has put the fivefold ministry gifts here for us and they're given as gifts to the church. But the church has a responsibility while Christ is seated on the right hand of the Father. And we're not talking about the building. We're talking about the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones that regardless of your title, if you're saved, there's something we should be stewarding. So let's keep reading. Then he who received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he, here's that but, he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's check that out, money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So let's go back. So we know he went on a journey. Okay. So we have this guy who comes in and the first two, they have gained. So if you want to, you can actually circle that. Let's see. It says they made another five talents. And then you have another one who gained two more. And then you have this other dude, right? It says he hid his Lord's money. <laughs> it's actually, I'm sorry. It's funny, but it's not because I got to stick with the seriousness of it because he's teaching uh, us a lesson. But honestly, y'all, me and my goofy self, I probably would have hit it too. So, you know, I'm just saying. Um, after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So remember this servant left left something in possession with these three servants. And now he's coming back to settle accounts. Now that'll preach right there. So if you look at, it says for the church, who does this remind you of? Well, I kind of gave it away. The Lord of those servants is the same as Christ is to us. And then it says they settled accounts. Okay. Think about this. Jesus will, it's not even will he, I wanted you to think about it. We already know he will come and he will settle, settle accounts. He will look to see what did you do with the time, with the time in between the dash in between, what did you do with it? We can't just say, Oh, I just confess like the other group of people earlier. We ate in your presence, you know, no. What did you do? what did you do with the time? what did you do with the talents? what did you do with the gifts? And again, we're not talking about a select few. He is talking about Again, the earlier, the bride, the church, all of us, not the, the folks who run in service <laughs> on, on Sundays, not just the pastor, the apostle, the evangelist, not just the teacher, right? All of us, the fivefold ministry gifts and the, the body of Christ. 
So it says, so he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents. So we read all that. We know that. Okay, well, let's go back. It says 20. He who, so he who's, get it together, girl. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents saying, Lord, look at how excited he is. You delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. So now he has 10. His Lord said to him, so I want you to highlight this. Look at that gained. Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Let's look at a cross reference. Luke 16, 10. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. In other words, it doesn't matter how much you have. One person had five or one person had two, but it's, were you faithful over the amount that you were given? First Corinthians 4, 2, moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. Second Timothy 4, 7 and 8, I have fought the good fight. Oh, come on. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Remember he talked about being disqualified, right? Kept the faith, you know, not, not falling into a, a state where now I denounce God. I'm not doing nothing, you know, in his kingdom, all of that. It says, okay, over a few things, I will make you ruler over many things. Cross-reference. Let's look at this. Matthew 24, 47. Assuredly, I say to you that he will make him ruler over all his goods. 25, 34. Matthew, then the king will say to those on his right hand, come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. We're going to see that later on. 46. We're going to see that one later on. Luke 12, 44. Truly, I say to you that he will make him ruler over all that he has. 22 and 29. And I bestow upon you a kingdom just as my father bestowed one upon me. Verse 30. That you may eat and drink and at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, if we look at that in context, I believe he was talking to the disciples there. But we're still invited to the table. Okay, keep that in mind. We're invited to the table. Revelations 3.21, to him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. And then we have again, uh, let's see. Mm, Let's see here. Let's see here. I thought, I think I, did I get all of them? Uh, I think we did. Didn't we get four, second Timothy four, seven, eight. Yeah, we did. We have all that. Okay. And then we did the cross references, uh, here too, as well. I will make you ruler over many things. Okay. It says, enter into the joy of your Lord. So that's part of that reward. Okay. The reward of doing the things that we were called and instructed to do by the Holy Spirit. Check this out. Second Timothy 2.12. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we, sounds like the fool, foolish and the wise. If we deny him, he also will deny us. Hebrews 12, 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Think about it. Jesus Christ, he even had that opportunity in the garden of Gethsemane. He was saying, father, take this cup from me. He did not want to do it. 
He did not want to do it. That key word right there, this is for all our fate in the middle of that scripture. He says, nevertheless, not my will, but thine own will be done. How can we think that we're any different? That if Jesus Christ couldn't come here to the earth to do his own will, and he is truly God in human form, if he couldn't do his own will, what would make me us think that we could? Okay. First Peter one and eight, whom having not seen you, whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. That's that, that bridegroom being delayed. Okay. That we express joy. We, we can have joy in waiting for his uh, return. Okay. Continuing verse 22. And, you know, I wanted to show y'all a uh, really quick, I don't know, I don't even know if I can find it. Let me see if I can find, where are we at? We are at Matthew 25. Let's do 22. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, okay. Here it is. A talent. I wanted to show you that, you know, what it looks like. You think about our coins and everything um, like that, how far we've come from our, our traditional coins now. And it says it's the, it's a Roman attic. It says attic talent of Antiochus the third. And then you have some other um, currency down here. And then they even show you a denarius. I guess they're saying in today's time, I don't know. Would it be worth $25? I guess we'd have to look that up and see. You know, they are still trying to figure all of that stuff out. All right. So we're moving on. He also who have received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents beside them, besides them. His Lord said to him, well done again. Here's the description. Good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter, here's that joy again, enter into the joy of the Lord. Psalm 1611, you will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. John 15, 10, if you keep, come on, conditional. We don't teach this enough, you know, if you keep, in other words, consistent with the confession, if you can keep, we don't need to be arguing over whether the Old Testament and the Old Testament, you know, is the, am I under the law? Do I have, can I eat shrimp? Come on. Okay. Those moral absolute laws. When Jesus Christ, thank you, Holy Spirit says, if you obey these two, if all, all these things hang on the law, the writings and the prophets, in other words, if you, the sheep, the Shema, if you love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, your soul, your strength and your mind, you love the Lord, you love your neighbor as yourself. Right. He said, if you do those, all the law hangs on that. So he said in verse 10, if you keep my commandments, moral, absolute law, strive to love God, strive to know God, strive to love your neighbor. It says you will abide in my love. That's conditional. Just as I've kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. So in other words, he's saying I had to do it. What make you think you don't have to do it? 11, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may remain in you, that your joy may be full. So again, I was taught in my previous church, read the negation of that. He's saying that my joy may. So if it may remain in you, well, the converse or the negation of that is that it could not remain in you. And if, if my joy could be full, 
it, the converse of that is that my joy could be empty, right? So that's how we think of those things. So let's continue with verse 24. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, so here we go. Here we go. Lord. Now notice, this is what I did. And you can do this when you are actually, um, you know, studying your Bible. Lord, <laughs> I knew you to be a hard man. Reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So let me share my note here with you. This statement alone, guys, represents the incorrect view and relationship that his servant had with his Lord. If the Lord was kind enough. Now think about this. Now he, this, this master has given um, this servant money to steward over. So if the Lord was kind enough to give him a talent, why would he see the Lord as a hard man? And additionally, it represents that the wicked servant may not have known his master's true nature. Even if the servant's view of the master was correct, he should have, he should have done more than hit his talent. So either way, he's messed up. So let's look at, go ahead and um, circle seed, right? Because seed is, you know, the thing that God has placed in our hand to do something with, to cause it to grow and receive 130, 60, 100 fold return. You know, in the past, we've all went through the season where seed is always equated to money, 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 money. It includes that. But seed can be your time. Seed can be your gifts. Seed can be your talents. It's anything that the father has placed in our hands and he says, now cause it to grow. Okay. And it says, and I was afraid here, right here, wrong, wrong move right there. I was afraid and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. So here's the, what the Holy Spirit gave me fear unchecked. So notice I didn't say having fear, fear unchecked. We're all going to experience fear or I'll just speak for me. I'm, you know, there are times in my life, past, present, future, that I'm going to experience fear. Yes, I know the scripture. God has not given us a spirit of fear. That doesn't mean that I don't experience fear. But the point is, do I check it? It says that it can cause us to, to react foolishly and without processing, you know, our concerns through the Holy Spirit. That's the thing. When the fear comes upon us, let me process this through, through the Holy Spirit, because it attacks that certain part of our brain, that logical side. Right. You know, even for me, I, I went somewhere here recently and they had us had me. My family had me on that lift. You know, the little lifts that you, they got the little wire and you go down. I'm like, oh my gosh, get me off here. I was just seriously fearful. Right. But then there's sometimes where you, there's some reasonable fear to have, you know, I'm not, you know, for all of those of you who are out there, I, I admire you who are courageous in my head. I would love to jump out of a plane in my head. And that's as far as it goes. <laughs> point blank in the in in the period and I don't even know if I, I'm not even gonna try to process that through prayer I'm not going to jump out of a plane that's just all to it okay but anyways it says is there anything today that is causing fear in your life well I just answered that for you but and there's some other things you know that one is kind of humorous but there are other things but the thing is when I feel it when it comes upon me I think about that scripture that says be anxious for nothing but by prayer 
right? And so I know, okay, I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling the fear. Let me process this through the Holy Spirit. God, this is how I feel. Help me. Just help me. That's why he says, but by prayer and supplication, make your request known unto God. And the peace, the peace, the peace replaces the fear. The peace that surpasses all under all understanding shall guard what? Your heart and your mind. It's your mind that's having the fear. Your spirit's good right? But we have to process all of that. So stop and ask yourself, what's causing fear in my life that I need to process with the Holy Spirit? So we don't do anything crazy like this servant and hide our stuff in the ground. Okay. It, it's just, it's just that I, I want to say, I know, and I've experienced this in the past there. I I've come across people that, um, and even myself in, you know, in the past, uh, not as much now, again, like I said, we all experience fear, but you know, you meet people that you see, they have great gifts, but the fear overtakes them. You know, though, they don't want to be in the front. If you ask them, you know, let's just say you're in, you're in, um, a situation and you ask them, um, to give a speech and they're just there. Some people will tremble and get over it. And then some people will be to a point where the fear is so heavy. They're not going to do it. They're, they're just not going to do it, right? And they might be the greatest speaker in the world, but because they don't process the fear through the Holy Spirit, then that talent like this man is hidden in the ground, okay? I think I've heard, I think it was Miles Monroe who said, there are more books, ideas, um, financial um, ideas, companies, businesses in the grave, because they've never been manifested because of um, a person not stepping out and believing what God, and then I want to emphasize that, <laughs> what God is telling them to do. Because sometimes we we concoct some some foolish stuff and the Lord ain't said it. And then we say, oh, I'm having faith for that. And he probably, he's sitting back like, okay, really? You having faith for it? Thank you, Holy Spirit. When he told, when David went to him and said, Lord, shall I pursue? Right. There are times in the Bible where you can do things, Saul, King Saul, and he'd tell you to do it. And you can't be hiding behind faith. He'd tell you to do it. So he has to have faith. And even I love the scripture that says, write the vision. A lot of times we write our vision. He says in Habakkuk, write the vision that I give you and make the vision that I give you plain. Okay. You know, because if it was up to me, the vision for my life would totally be different than, you know, what I'm doing here, but I can't write my vision. I got to write his vision. And then I have faith for his vision. Okay. Moving on. So verse 26, that was for somebody. So in Jesus name. All right. Verse 26, but his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked. Here we go. Here we go. I love up here. Remember, let's go back real quick. He says, well done, you good and faithful servant. Now Jesus is teaching this parable. And now this one, he's saying you wicked and lazy <laughs> again, you know, I'm, I, the parables kind of, you know, humorous real life is not, but the, the way Jesus is talking, it's like, okay, Jesus, you can be rough, but Hey, it is what it is. Matthew 18, 32. I say that out with all honor and respect to our King, um, 18 and 32. Then his master, after he called him, said to him, you wicked servant. I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. 
You can read that one. That's a good um, parable too. Luke 19, 22. And he said to him, out of your own mouth, we already read that. I will judge you, you wicked servant. You knew that I was an austere man. So we already read that. So he says to this man, you lazy and wicked. And it says, you knew that I reap where I have not sown. And so the master, this is what gets me in this. He's agreeing with him. You know, because earlier the, he said, I hid in the ground because I knew you were a hard man and you reap what you, where you didn't sow. And, and the ma- the master, he didn't even disagree with him. He said, you knew I was that way. <laughs> and he said, but that still don't give you no ch- an opportunity to be off the hook. And it says, and you know, I, I gather where I don't scatter the seed. And, right, I can see him, the master saying, and. Now he tells him, he corrects him. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers and I'm and at my coming, I would have received you back um, my own with interest. I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent. So he's talking to somebody else saying, take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10 talents. Right. And then Jesus goes on. He says, for everyone who has. That's the dude with the 10 talents, the one with the two that now has four. He's saying more will be given and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. So let's stop there. Let me look at um, a, a cross reference. Let's see. Did we already do that for whoever has to him? More will be given. Didn't we? Did we just do this for whoever has to him? More will be given, but whoever does not have even what he has will be taken from him. Luke 8, 18. Therefore, take heed how you hear for whoever has to him. More will be given and whoever does not have even what he seems to have will be taken from him. John 15, 2. Every branch. Come on, Jesus. This is one of my first, favorite ones. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit fruit. He takes away and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit, man. That's powerful, right? So he's saying there's some cutting away. There's some, there's some, um, even if you read in the, in the Bible, there's a lot of comparison between the, the branch and the olive tree and the Gentiles being grafted in into what was given originally to the Jews. But, but here he's saying, we, we got to bear fruit. That we can't just say we're saved and, and hang back and chill out. We have to bear fruit. And again, not only the fivefold ministry gifts, the church bears fruit. And he says, and he will have abundance from him who does not have even what he has will be taken away. Now check this out. Here we go. And cast the unprofitable servant unto the, into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus just, I mean, I'm going to be, um, have not the, not have the correct English. He turned it T U R N T. He turned it. Okay. He's saying that that servant isn't profitable. And then he says, there's an action there. Throw him out in the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's deep. And it says, Matthew 8 and 12, but the sons of the kingdom will be cast out in the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the king said to the servants, bind him hand and foot, take him away and cast him in the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Luke 13, 28, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and yourselves thrust out. Right? When you think about um, Lazarus and the rich man, 
you know, I don't, it's all of it, you know, because it says paraphrasing, you know, the rich man, Jesus, he says to him, or I forgot who it was who spoke to him. So forgive me on that. I want to call the name, but he says, you know, I can't, I can't, there's a big, great chasm between you and Lazarus. You know, that on this earth, you had all the things you needed. You had all the money you needed. You were a rich man. That's why Jesus said it's, it's, it's harder. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man. Why? Because when you're sometimes when you have an overabundance, you don't have a dependence, right? There's not, there's not a dependence. So you have Lazarus and this rich man. It's just a matter of Jesus in that um, scenario is saying, Hey, you were rich, did whatever you want to do, when you want to do, how you want to do it. You didn't use your money for me and you have been cast out and, and out of darkness. Now, one thing I can give the rich man some points for is because he then says, but Hey, I'm here. I see I can't do anything about it, but whatever you do, please tell last somebody, go tell my people, go tell my family, don't come here, right? So this stuff is serious. He tells us there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And I think we just saw this. Yeah, we just saw this. So let's take a look at this cross reference to there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Um, Matthew 7, 23. Um, there it is. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you depart from me. See how it comes back full circle to what we were talking about earlier. So it's all of this that feeds in what you did, what we do with our time, being prepared for the bride, the bridegroom to return and then knowing Christ. He's saying, depart from me. I never knew you. I never you knew you. And then again, you practice lawlessness, right? Not sitting around talking about, OK, well, did I eat shrimp today? And that's lawlessness. It's the absolute moral code. It's keeping the Shema. It's saying, I, I want to love the Lord, my thy God, with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength and all my mind. Okay. Now let's look at Matthew 24, 51. We'll do that later because that's in this chapter. But he says there will be weeping and there will be gnashing of teeth. Psalm 112.10, the wicked will see it and be grieved. He will gnash his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked shall perish. Man, that's deep. So we went through two um, parables, basically. We have the virgins and then we have the, the, the servants, the three servants. So let's just chat for a minute and see what 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 do we learn from this you know got to synthesize seem like a lot 30 verses says in this passage we see the parable of the talents taught by Christ similar to the virgins so draw the similarities you can even pause the video right now and just um, think about what what similarities do I see so let me share mine the three servants each had options right we have those same options available today. So if you think of the, um, the, the virgins, right? You can be foolish or you can be wise. Um, it says, and then also like the virgins, instead of wasting time, the foolish ones, we need to avoid wasting the gifts that God has given to us, given us to build his kingdom and carry out his will. Okay. And then if we, you know, just even just, Thinking about the, those who had the talents, they did something with the seed. 
They did something with everything that God had entrusted to them. Okay, so let's check out this verse. This for Christ said that he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. So let me stop right there. First part is denying. We, there are a lot of things. We just have to plain and simple deny if we want to be in that wise category. So we've confessed Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Then the work begins. It doesn't end. That's when the work begins. And when I say work, I am not talking about working for salvation, working because you are saved, working because you love God, working because you love Christ, working because you appreciate what he's done for you. So it says you take up he, and he take up his cross daily and follow me daily for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? Okay, this is serious business that we're talking about, right? And it all comes, he's saying, if you deny yourself, there's a life in me that you will find that will live, that will go on into eternity where you and I will commune together. Thank you, the Holy Spirit. But he's saying, we have, like I said, my girlfriend would say, you know, we got options. We have options. And the problem is, is that a lot of people are being deceived, being deceived and picking the wrong option, wise or foolish. Just like the profitable servants who gained a return and gave an account of their stewardship of the talents, we will also give an account of the management of our time on earth and how we use the gifts and resources God has provided. We all strive to hear the words from our father. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. And so we're getting ready to wrap this up. We're going to take uh, a look at these remaining scriptures. Now, when I read, I read and, you know, try to get, of course, I want revelation from the, from the father. Now, when I read this in the new King James version, I don't know if I necessarily agree with this subtitle, <laughs> just saying, because it says judgment of the Gentiles. When you think of the Gentiles, um, a lot of times you can think of all those people who are um, not Jewish. I think the better title in, in another uh, version I saw, I think it said judgment of the nations. So in other words, like I'm a Gentile, right? But I'm not going to be um, judged because I'm saved. Now my works will be looked at, but judgment for eternal life, no. Okay. So unless, you know, like I said, you know, I just, you know, you're backslidden, you, you commit the unpardonable sin. Um, you don't, there's, there's, how can I say this? Your life does not reflect that true confession, right? If you have a true confession, true salvation experience, your heart truly turns to the father. And once your heart truly turns to the father, then your works follow not works for salvation, but works to back up the confession that was made. All right. When the son of man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. So we'll stop right there. 
cross-reference. Uh, let me read Matthew 16, 27. For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward, check this out, this is not salvation, it's saying reward each according to his works. Then for whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, the Son of Man, also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father. So this is referencing his return, Acts 1.11, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This is when he ascended. This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will, some, will so come in like manner as you saw him go to heaven. So we have the, the, the confidence that Christ is coming for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God we read that early earlier and the dead in Christ will rise first second Corinthians second Thessalonians 1 and 7 and give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels Jude 14 now Enoch the seventh from Adam prophesied about these men also saying behold the Lord comes with ten thousand of his saints revelation one and seven behold he is coming with clouds and every eye will see him even they who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because because of him even so amen so without a doubt as christians we believe that the son of man will return and come in his glory now again the critical text if you have a modern translation it's going to omit the word holy so I'm going to share my note. Um, I, for sake of time, I'm not going to share that. If you want to look up the Strong's entry and what angels are, you know, we know that they're messengers. They work on behalf of God, all of that. But you'll see some interesting terms if you look at the um, Strong's definition of that. And you can see that on Bible Hub, uh, blueletterbible.org. Um, he's coming with his holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations, that's why I said, I think it should have been the judgment of the nations. All the nations will be gathered before him. Now stop right there. Let's look at here. These cross references, 1410 and Romans. But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. So I want you to study that out. Okay, we're, I don't want to do it with because I want to stay within the uh, context of where we are right now. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Not according to what you confess, but according to what you have done. Revelations 2, 20 and 12. Because remember earlier when we read that scripture, they said, wait, we ate bread in your presence. And he said, depart from me. I didn't know you. I didn't know you. And it says in Revelations, uh, I keep putting an S there, Revelation 20 and 12. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. Check this out. And books were open. Books with an S. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. Okay. The dead were judged according to their work. So if you've been saved, now your name is written in the book of life. But then it says, and the books according to their work. So there are some rewards and some things that will be dealt out 
I believe, still learning this, in the end time. You, Jesus Christ will pay for our sins, but that does not excuse us from accomplishing some works on behalf of Christ and knowing him and fellowshipping with him and communing with him. Again, because remember, all the law hangs on these two. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy soul, thy mind, and thy strength. Love the la- your neighbor as yourself. And if you love him, I heard someone say the other day, I think it was a sports commentator, and you know, excuse the wording, but he said, God ain't no punk, right? God will not be mocked. We can't fool him. He knows the heart. If we're truly saved, we're doing everything in our power to live like that and to please the father. Yes, we mess up, but he can look and see a heart that's truly saved, that truly wants to live for him, that truly wants to accomplish the things that he has put us on the earth for. And it says all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats, right? So with us, with our salvation, and then we're living a life that's consistent with that repentance, right? We should be in the sheep category, not the goats, not at all. And it says he will set the sheep. So I want you to highlight, he's going to separate it. He will separate sheep, goats, Sheep on the right hand, the goats on the left. Then the king, capital K, will say to those on the right hand, come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Cross reference. Romans 8 and 17. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer, we don't like that. If we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. First Peter 1 and 4 to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled. And that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. That's what the, the sheep are going to get. Nine, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Like Paul said, I've kept the faith. Revelation 21 and 7, he who overcomes shall inherit all things and I will be his God and he shall be my son. Okay. And here, um, yes, he who overcomes. All right. So here on verse 35, so then Jesus, there's a colon, right? Jesus is giving us, did we look at this one too? I think, um, oh, um, Matthew 20, 23, when he's talking about prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So he said to them, you will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with, but to sit on my right hand or on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those who, for whom it is prepared. So they're talking about the preparation that the father has made. And that's when, um, the disciples mother said, Hey, I want my sons to sit on your right hand or my left. Or even when the disciples asked him that. You know, and Jesus is responding and saying, hey, I, I'm not in charge of that. The father's in charge of that. 
Um, but it is written, eyes has not, eye has not seen, nor ear has heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. That's a sheep. Hebrew eleven sixteen. But now they desire better. That is a heavenly country. Come on. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. Think about that new Jerusalem coming down. All right, thirty five. For I was hungry. So here we have a colon. So here we go back into some works, basically, that Jesus is going to delineate out. And he says, um, again, he's doing that separation. He's saying, I was hungry. Circle that. You gave me food. I was thirsty. Circle that. You gave me drink. I was a stranger. You took me in. I was naked. You clothed me. I was sick. You visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Okay. And so here again, cross references, Isaiah 58, seven, it is not, it is, is it not to share your bread with the hungry? And he's talking about the fast that you uh, desire, the fast that he desires of us. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and that you bring to your house, the poor who are cast out when you see the naked that you cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh. Ezekiel eighteen seven. If he has not oppressed anyone, but has restored to the debtor, his pledge has robbed no one by violence, but has given his bread to the hungry and covered the naked with clothing. Verse 16, has not oppressed anyone nor withheld a pledge nor robbed by violence, but has given his bread to the hungry and covered the naked with clothing. James 1, 27, pure and undefiled religion before God and the father is this to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself spotted from the world. 215, if a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food. And one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body. What does it profit? Okay. So again, he's just taking us beyond our confession. And again, we are all learning this together, all learning this together. You know, you can do simple things. Um, you know, it says, don't let your right hand tell, don't you let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So just for example, a person, for instance, might decide that, um, you know, I'm not going, I'm going to go through my closet and I'm not going to have a garage sale. You know, that person might decide, Hey, I'm going to put my stuff out there. Um, I'm going to take it to the thrift shop. And yeah, sometimes it's kind of, you know, Sometimes I kind of don't like the fact that, you know, but I guess, you know, the thrift shop still has to make money, pay their bills, da, da, da. So I get it. Um, but at least they're charging such a, a small price for that. Um, but a person might, you know, say, okay, I could go and take this and I could have the garage sale, blah, blah, blah. But instead I'm going to donate this. Okay. So they're, they're just little things in life. And when I say this, I'll also say that, Thank you, Holy Spirit, as we are led to do these things. You know, even if you think of Peter, um, the, the apostles at the gate called beautiful when he said that he was begging for alms. Peter said to him, silver and gold. And I don't believe it was, it wasn't because he didn't have silver and gold. I believe that he wasn't led to give him silver and gold. There was something greater. Jesus, uh, Peter said to him, silver, silver, silver and gold have I none, but that which I do have, I give unto you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up, take up your mat and walk. Right? So there was something greater that he gave, but he, in other words, he just met the need, 
whether it's spiritual, whether it's physical, wherever you are, where you are in life and God's leading you, all of us, not you, all of us, we keep working on turning that out a little bit better, not a little bit, but better than, you know, what we are, are currently doing. So 38, when did you see a stranger and take you in or naked and cold? No, I'm sorry. When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? And then, or when did we see you? So who's asking this? Remember, it's the righteous that are saying this. And he said, oh, when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. So here, that's a good thing. You know, he's saying you did something kind to someone. When you did something kind to someone, it, it was as if you've done it to me. I love in the Old Testament, it says, if you bring a prophet, a cup of water, you know, that God recognizes that. And it doesn't even have to be a prophet, you know, it's just that he looks to see. Thank you, Holy Spirit. When he, the widow one might. You know, and and I think in, in one of the other gospels, it says two mites, but it says he looked to see, it says assuredly when you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. And it says he who oppresses the poor reproaches his maker, but he who honors him has mercy on the needy. Hey, we're going to pivot for a second in this nation. There has been a lot of oppression on minorities, women, and a lot of other things. There's an account that will be given to the institutions and and those um, strategic plans to keep the poor oppressed. He says the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Okay, it's serious business. So so even though it feels like at times that, you know, it feels like you're losing, you know, God is a God who sees it all. All of it. So let me pause here for a second. I don't understand why my Humans Siri have religion. is doing that. So excuse me on that one. All right, Siri, stop it. Okay, moving on. Surely I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to the one of the least of these, my brother, you did it to me. Okay, so let's continue. Then he will also say to those on the left hand, depart from me, you cursed. So highlight that. Those on the left, that's the goats. Depart from me. You cursed into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. So let's stop here. Uh, Let's look at a cross-reference. Psalm 6 and 8, depart from me, all you workers of iniquity, for the Lord has heard the voice of my weeping. Matthew 7, 23, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you, depart from me. You who practice lawlessness, Luke 13, 27, but he will say, I tell you, I do not know you again. Remember where you are from. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. Then another cross cross reference to into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. So we have Matthew 13, 40 and 42. Therefore, as the tares, so instead of the sheep and goat, It's the wheat and the tares. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of this age, 42, and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. That's what he's talking about here. Okay, another cross-reference, the devil. 2 Peter 2 and 4, for if God did not spare the angels who sinned, 
but cast them down to hell. So there's some in hell already and deliver them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment. So you have some on the earth, right? Some in hell. Jude 6, and the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, he is reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. But notice here too, another thing, it just shows you how much the father back to the original scripture, John 3, 16 loves us. He didn't prepare hell for mankind. He desired to dwell with Adam and Eve and to commune with them. He prepared that for the devil and his angels. So here's the little, my girlfriend would say, here's the skinny of it all. The devil is just mad because he knows that, hey, if I got to go, I'm taking some folks with me, right? And so Jesus comes on the scene. He's teaching this. He gives his life to avoid, to help us avoid all of that. And so verse 42, here we go. It says, for I was hungry. So here, here's the converse because we have a colon. So up there, you had the righteous. He's saying, you fed me, you clothed me. When you did it to the least of the of my brethren, you did it to me. But now he's going to switch because so there's that colon. He's saying, I was hungry and you didn't give me nothing to eat. Um, you know, you twisting it up a little bit. <laughs> Let me get myself together. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger. You did not take me in naked and you did not clothe me sick and in prison. You did not visit me. Now let's stop here again. That's to do the thing that God gave you to do. Are we all uh, called to a prison ministry? No, we're not. But there might be a day in your life and something happens. It could even be a family member that is in prison and God is calling you to go to that prison, meet with them during the visitation time and share the gospel. Right. Um, are we all um, are we all called to, you know, give money to the uh, to the church and give money to charities? Yes. You know, we are. When we have the opportunity and the ability. We are to do those things. Right. To take in. Now, God, I'm be real. I'm just being honest. In these days and times, I could be led to take a stranger in. I'll tell you, all I'm just I'm not there yet. <laughs> Pray for a sister because the world is so, you know, you just really have to be led in um, the Holy Spirit leading you and guiding you into and when you should do what you should do. Okay. So you have to read these verses in the context, right, of the entire Bible. Okay. Um, one counter example, for instance, is, um, well, that's not really a good example. I was going to reference, um, when the disciples had to call out seven, I think that's where deacons came from. And they said, you know, we need people to administer, um, these, um, this charity to the widows because we need to be given over to prayer and to, um, the word. Okay, so there's those of us in the body of Christ that we are positioned according to God's will to do certain things more often than others. But that does not mean that we don't have to give, you know, give to charities, give our time, you know, donate clothes, things like that. Okay, so again, we all got to know what God is saying to us specifically. 
So 44. So I hope I clean that up. Okay. We are all to donate and, you know, again, food, hunger, uh, um, um, charities, things like that. We're all called to do that. So verse 44, then they also will answer him saying, oh, and let me say another good way to do it is, is like if your church has, um, um, a place where you can put benevolence, you know, where they can give you a, a, a something where you can do a line item and you can designate, okay, here's my tithes, here's my offering. And with the offering, I, I want to be more specific. So let me go ahead and I want to put this on benevolence in, in the benevolence account. And then you know that, okay, my money or a portion of my money is always going to help pay somebody's light bill, you know, give somebody some food for that month. You can work through your local church to do these things. Okay. It does not mean that, you know, when you, you got to go put a stand out at Walmart and just give all of your belongings away. It doesn't mean that unless that's what God called you to do. All right, moving on 44. Then they also will answer him saying, thank you, Holy Spirit. Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, assuredly, I say to you, and as much as you did not do it to one of the least of these things, you did not do it to me. Right. And these will go away in everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Here we go. People got options. There's just, there are the options right there. Eternal everlasting punishment or eternal life. And it all, Jesus started all of this off by starting with the parable of foolish and wise virgin of virgins. We have options. And it's us. I think sometimes I, you know, would say, God, you know, I'd be bit much off, bit much better off if I didn't have a will. It's that doggone will that gets us because he was given us a, he's given us a will, which means we can choose, right? We use our mind, will, and emotions. We can choose whether we want to take option one or option two. It's just like, you know, price is right. You want door number one or, or you want door number two. And, he, and he's not going to force force us. I wish sometimes it's like, you know, be easier. But when we have to choose, it's it's that that struggle with the with the flesh. You know that that um, sarks is one word for flesh, and I think that's Hebrew. I'm not sure. And then you have um, the suke or the suke coast man, the the man who you know, the thing, like Paul said, the thing that I want to do, I don't do and that, that I should do. I, I, I don't do. Right. So it's that struggle that we all have. And Jesus even said, you know, he, he went through all those temptations, but he was a perfect man, a perfect man. It says yet without sin. So it says he who oppresses the poor, we already read that Zechariah two and eight for thus says the Lord of hosts. He sent me after glory to the nations, which plunge plunder you for he who touches you touches the apple of his eye. Come on, stop it. And he said, who are you Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goats. I think some translations say the pricks. So in other words, this is referencing Saul. That when he was running around persecuting the church, Christ said, hey, when you did it to them, the least of those, you did it to me. And that same thing applies to us. We have options. And I pray 
that you and I, well, I believe I have (laughs) um, picked or chosen, thank you, Holy Spirit, like Mary, that good part, you know, to get to know the Father. So we're going to wrap our life lessons up. Christ is teaching us in verses 31 through 46, the importance of living lives that are consistent with our salvation. Consider the following verse. And having seen many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming about his immersion, he said to them, brood of vipers, who showed you to flee from the coming wrath? What wrath are we talking about? The one we just read. The lake of fire being um, cast in, weeping, neat, uh, gnashing, weeping and gnashing of teeth. And that verse goes on to say, bear therefore fruits worthy of conversion. Come on, John the Baptist. Right. He was doing he was baptizing. That's what that means. Immersion being, you know, totally taken in under the water. And he's saying he turned to the Pharisees and said, who told y'all I was here? Who told y'all what I was doing? What y'all doing? And he's saying, go, instead of worrying about all this, y'all go bear some real fruit that's worthy of conversion. I think that's the, one of the greatest lessons that we all get from that is that, okay, if we're converted, where's the fruit to back that up? Okay. Not works, not fruit to gain your salvation, but just where's the fruit, like John the Baptist said, worthy of conversion. I mean, nowadays, and there's no judgment, no heat. Cause we all are struggling, but I would say you, when I meet someone who's a Christian and they struggle to just say hi, you know, I, that's a thing. <laughs> that's a thing. And I try to be fair because I believe in life. You might meet somebody on a day where something tragic happened in their home. So you don't judge them because they didn't say hi that day or they've got, um, they're mean mugging you or something like that. It's someone who's habitually rude, who are, who, who's habitually unkind. You know, I gotta, it says judge the tree by the fruit it bears. You know, a lot of times we say, well, you're not, we're not supposed to judge each other. No, it says judge the tree by the fruit it bears. So, and in John, the Baptist said, come on now, if you want to escape the coming wrath, bear fruits that are worthy, that are consistent with your confession. So in the remaining verses, Christ is teaching us the importance of bearing fruit that testifies to the conversion that we claim. That's the one thing I like. Paul does a lot of discourse on faith. But James, the book of James, does a lot about works. And that's why we look at the whole Bible together. And he says, faith without works is dead, being alone. So as he leads us, our time, our resources, our gifts, our talents are to be used for his glory and to build his kingdom. Consider this, for you were bought with the price valuing, what price is that? Valuing, perceived value, the weight, the honor, the value willingly assigned to something. In other words, when Christ looked at you, he said, I value you. I put high honor and it's so high that I'll give my life for it. That makes me want to shout right there. Therefore, he's saying this is a mutual relationship. It's a reciprocal thing. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Now, when we get that in the context, we can read all that. But that part right there, glorify God in your spirit. 
in your spirit. And when you're glorifying God in your spirit, you want to do the things that please him. You want to bear fruit worthy of the conversion, right? Now, let's not get this twisted. That does not mean none of us are perfect. That's why we needed a savior. We fall down, we get back up. We fall down, we get back up. But it's the heart that God sees and our determination to say, you know, I failed that miserably yesterday or I didn't do X, Y, Z. Um, I, my fruit of the spirit is, is it reeks today. God help me, <laughs> help me, you know, so we know that we struggle. We know we have these things. That's why Christ died for for us, but it's, 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 it's that true essence, that true nature or of who you're striving. Remember when it says strive to enter into the narrow gate, right? Right. That's what we're dealing with. So I pray through, I mean, y'all hung in that's 46 verses y'all. Okay. If you pass this on to somebody else, warn them 46 verses, but just like everything else, we give time to everything else. We give time to those things. Even something as simple as that. You hanging in here with me all of this time. God sees like the widow with one, one mite or two mites or whatever um, uh, God, chapter you're looking at. But he looks to see the things that we're giving. You know, for you right now, it's Time. You're sitting here right here with me going through 46 verses of scripture, not for head knowledge, not for us to just know, but for us to know and to apply. So just use this time, go into prayer. We will pray together, but just pray and just ask God. And I, I will ask God, not just you. You know, where can I every day, just God, just like aging, fine wine. Let me just get up and do better than I did yesterday, you know, and then eventually maybe I'll get it right. It's kind of like when Paul said, you know, it's not until I, I know in part and I see in part and it'll never be right. It'll never be right. But I just keep striving, you know, press toward the mark of the high calling of Christ Jesus, what he's calling us to. So. I hope you, um, this Holy Spirit was speaking to you. Um, if there's any, uh, thing that I have said and you don't understand, just ask the Holy Spirit to reveal it to you. I pray Christ cover any, um, errors that I make. And I pray that I have not, I've, I've done my best to study and bring to you what I believe that the, the text is saying. So, um, again, be blessed. So here's our opportunity that we extend to you from heaven, from God. If you are under the sound of my voice, here is the best day that you can ever think of. This is your opportunity to step into the kingdom like never before. He is inviting you. And so as we read, it says in Acts 2 and 38, and Peter said to them, repent and be baptized each one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and for your children and for all those who are far away as many, come on, he's calling you today as the Lord, our God calls to himself. God is calling you to himself first, not, not membership at, at, at a church that comes later. 
Okay. And that's very important, but I want you to recognize today that you're getting the call to God himself, for him to love you, for him to save you, for him, the, the, his son who shed his blood on the cross for you. You know, he stood up and, you know, I'm saying this metaphorically, imagine God standing up today to see you, you know? So I just pray that you answer the call and you say yes. And that through the teaching that you understand how important it is to be a sheep. So repeat this after me, according to Romans 10, 9 and 10, Father, I confess and ask you to be my Lord and Savior. I believe in my heart, God, that you raised Christ Jesus from the dead. And because of that, I am now saved with my heart and not by my works. I believe by faith unto righteousness. And with my mouth today, I make this confession. Jesus Christ, be my Lord and Savior in Christ's name. Amen. Just know, again, the angels are rejoicing at the decision you made. Um, we are honored at the channel that you came to salvation. He can use whatever way he would like to choose to use. And for some reason, he ordered your steps here today. So I just can congratulate you and we all welcome you into the holy, mighty kingdom of God. So now where does that, where do you stand? First of all, you do want to get membership in your local church. It's very important for someone to hook up with you and you be discipled and taught. Okay. A lot of times that's where a lot of people fall in through the gaps. Discipleship is important, but know that you have been justified been justified at the moment that you confess him as Lord and Savior. In other words, you've been made right with God, right? You still may fall. You still may make errors. You may, still may do things that you shouldn't do. But remember, you have confessed him as Lord and Savior. The blood pays for that. And so today you start your journey. You're repenting. You're turning away from your old life and you are being born again. And knowing that we have all sinned, we've all uh, fallen short. This does not mean that your life is going to be perfect and you're never going to sin. It just means that you have accepted the one who has redeemed you, who has bought you with a price. So be confident in that. Even pause the video if you need to do that. Be confident in knowing that God is my savior. God is your savior. He has paid for your sins. And then as you grow and as you learn and as you be as you are being discipled with someone who is mature, make sure you want someone who's mature, you will be go through what we call a sanctification process. And that is the things that you used to do and used to desire. You won't desire them like that. You know, you won't, you won't. And God, and even those days when you do desire those things, the Holy Spirit is now within you to convict you and help you and, you know, give you strength to turn away from those former sins. So you have a lot to jump up and rejoice over today. Again, pause the video if you need to, but all we want to say today is welcome, welcome, welcome into the kingdom of God. Be blessed and amen.